Hey, well, let's go to the word of the Lord. Hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. I got a lot of scripture that, uh, that we're going to run through this morning. Just one verse to open with. But I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning. Anybody show up to church this morning to say, God, speak to me, right? I hope we just don't ever walk in the doors of the church. And uh, I hope we don't just walk in the doors of the church and, and just kind of go through the motions. I don't want ever want to come to church and play a church game. But I want to come to church and I want to lift him up. I want to hear from him. I want to be changed and challenged every time I walk in the doors of the church. And I prayed and prayed that God would bring a word for you this morning that would do just that. Let's go to the word of of the Lord. Psalms chapter 83, verse 1. Psalms chapter 83, verse 1. It says this Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. Let me read that again. Do not be silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. Say this prayer with me, if you would. Say, Jesus, open my ears, open my heart open my mind to receive of your word. Change me. Challenge me in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Let me ask you a question. I'm talking to students and parents this morning. Has anybody ever been given the silent treatment? Come on, let's be real. Anybody? Come on, wives how, many, wives, how many of you have ever given your husband the silent treatment? Don't lie in church, okay? You are under oath. Husbands, <laughs> I saw a husband raise his wife's hand. That's awesome. Husbands, how many of you have ever given your wife the silent treatment? Come on, let's, let's be real. Let's be, no, it's, it's not real. It's usually, a, you know, guys, we're usually on the receiving end of this. But I tell you what, the silent treatment is the worst thing in the world because I just wish you would communicate to me and tell me what I did wrong, you know. Rather than riding down the road and you ignoring me, I'm talking about my wife right now. She's not here, okay. So I can say whatever I want as long as this isn't going to be podcasted and she come back and listen and then get mad at me and then give me the silent treatment, right? And we're riding down the road and I'm just like, would you just tell me what I did wrong? I don't even know what I did wrong, but babe, if you would tell me, I could apologize, but it's just, it's crickets, it's silent. The silent treatment, it, it drives me, it drives me crazy. How about this, uh, especially for the texting generation, how many of you hate it when you text somebody and they don't text you back? Come on. Isn't that the worst? You're like, you could tell me, hold on, right? You could tell me, I'll get back with you. But when you send a text and you don't get anything back, here's the worst thing. This is what I really hate. I hate when I send a text to somebody and they don't respond back, and then I go on social media, and I can see that they're, like, taking selfies, right? They're posting all on their story. I'm like, I know you have your cell phone in your hand, and I know that you saw my message. Why can't you just text me back? Or how about, it, we got, how many Apple people do we have in the house, Apple people? How many Android people do we have? I'm, re- I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. We're praying for you at the end of the message. We'll have an altar call for all our Android users. I, on, on Apple, they have these little things called red receipts at the bottom, right? And you can turn on your red receipt. And it, and it means that when the other person reads the message, it notifies you that they read the message. So there is no possible way for you to ignore somebody without them knowing. 
It drives me crazy when somebody has on red receipts, and I can obviously see that you read my message, but you didn't respond. I, my message could be, help, 911, I am dying over here. I accidentally cut my leg off. Can you come help? I saw that you read the message. I saw that you're on Instagram, and you can't respond. I'm about to bleed out over here, somebody. Help. But nope. You're too busy Instagramming. You're too busy Facebooking to, uh, to respond to my message. Anybody ever felt that way with God? Anybody ever felt like, God, you are silent? Come on. Anybody ever felt like you're getting the silent treatment from God? Anybody ever felt like you had the red receipts on when you're sending messages up to God? And you're like, God, I know you saw that message. God, I know you saw what I sent up to you, but why are you not responding? Why aren't you talking back? God, why am I getting the silent treatment right now? If you've ever felt that way, say amen. Because, uh, because for my next generation, for, for, my, for my young people, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe uh, at Anthem Conference, you know, you got the number of a girl, you know, that you're interested in. You saw the way she was praising God, and you happened to take a liking to it, right? And so you thought, hey, girl, can I get your number? So you got her number, and, uh, and after conference, you guys are texting, you know, and you're sending emojis and what, you know, like hard eyes and like blowing kisses at each other over text messages. And, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, y'all are texting, and it's getting pretty serious, and, and you're like, you're, you, you're building up to it, right, fellas? You've been waiting the whole time. You're like, okay, I'm going to ask the question, right? Will you go to the movies with me on Friday, right? So you finally, you, you, you text it in the little field, and you're like, okay, can I do this? And you hit send. And, I mean, everything's been going great, right? Y'all been texting back and forth. Everything's been great. And then you text, hey, can we go to the movies? And she don't text back. And it's like, oh, man. Swing and a miss. A swing and a miss. You know what? Sometimes it just feels like this with God, right? Sometimes it feels like we throw up our prayers to God. Sometimes it feels like we're talking to God, but he isn't talking back. Sometimes it feels like we're throwing up requests and, and we're coming before God, but we're not hearing anything. And, and it feels like, God, I know you're there. I'm seeing you answer other people's prayers. God, I'm seeing you touch people all around me. But where's the prayer that I've been asking for? Where's the miracle that I've been asking for? Where's the thing that I've been asking you to do? I see you moving on everybody else's behalf, but God, I don't see you moving on my behalf. God, I don't hear you giving me the answers. God, where are you at? If you've ever felt like that, say Amen. But see, here's the problem that I see is that when we feel like God is being silent, that a lot of times we just want to give up on God, right? If we don't get the answer that we want, we just, we just want to give up on God. We just want to throw our hands up in the air. We just want to turn and we just want to walk away from God and we just want to go, God, if you didn't give me the answer, God, if I haven't heard you, you know what? I'm done. I give up. I quit. But can I tell you this morning that that isn't the answer to the situation? Because the Bible says this about God's character. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this morning, I want to talk about the character of God because the Bible says that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So I want to reframe this silence. I want to reframe the silent treatment that maybe we feel like that we are getting from God. So if he will never leave us or forsake us, then I want to pose the question that maybe God has already spoken and you simply aren't listening or you didn't like what he had to say. Can I say that again, that maybe he's already spoken, 
and you simply didn't like what he had to say. Because I I look at our walk with God kind of like this. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Anybody ever done a scavenger hunt before? You, you start out with your one clue, and your one clue sends you to the next spot, and then that clue sends you to the next spot. And I feel like it's kind of like that. Like, we get this, this message from God, and he gives us a directive. He gives us something that he wants us to do. But if we take that directive and we just sit there, we'll never get to step number two, right? And if we never make it to step number two, then we're not going to make it to step number three. And, and, and our walk with God is kind of like God has given us a a. a a plan for our life. He says, here you go. I want you to take this. I want you to do this. And then after you do this, there's more for you. There's more for you beyond this. But a lot of us never get past step one because we look at step one and we go, hang on, wait, I got to give up this and this and I got to do this and this. No, I'm okay. We make a walk to the altar and we, we give our life to Jesus. But then when we find out that he wants some stuff from us, that he wants repentance, that there's some things and some relationships and some sin that we got to give up and lay on the altar, we go, you know what? I'm okay. But then we come back to God and we go, God, where are you? Why aren't you moving on my behalf? He's like, I told you some things to do. And once you lay down those things and begin to do those things, there's more that I want to unfold for you. But first, you got to take step number one. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. Number one is this, is quit speaking and listen. Quit speaking and listen. Watch this. I think it's time that we transform the way we pray. Quit demanding God to answer our prayers and start responding to his request. Can I say that again? It's time that we start to stop demanding answers and start responding to his request. I'm telling you, it's quiet in this church this morning. See, maybe the reason he isn't responding is because you haven't responded to what he's already spoken. Then we'll come to the altar and we'll cry out and we'll beg God, God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to answer. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to, to work in my finances. And all along he's going, I've given you the answer for the blessings in your finances. It's called tithing. And until you want to begin to tithe, don't come begging at the altar for you to do a miracle, for you to work something in my life. And we're going, God, I need you to provide the miracle. And God is going, if you'll trust me in tithing, then I'll bless you in this area. But so many times we're begging God for an answer that we've already received. We just don't want to step out in obedience. Does that make sense this morning? You keep begging God to speak, and he's saying, I have already spoken. All I need you to do is act. Sometimes we can't hear God over the sound of our own voices. Sometimes we don't even stop long enough to hear God speak. You ever do this in prayer? I'm guilty of it. You ever do this in prayer to where you just walk in and you're like, you've got this laundry list of stuff that you need God to do. And you're like, okay, God, I need you to do this. I need you to save my kids. I need you to provide for me. I need you to watch over me and keep me safe. There's this awesome vacation we want to go on, God. So if I could get like that bonus at work, that would be real cool too. And God, you know everything that we need. And the iPhone 8 is coming out. Lord, I really want the iPhone 8. God, if you could just provide a that, that bonus again, God. And we give it all to God. And we're like, okay, we'll see you later, God. Have a good day. And we just walk out, right? But we never really take time to stop and go, God, just speak to me. We never take the time to really open up our lives and hearts. And we just, we, we rattle all these things off to God. And we go, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. But we never really take the time to, God, to say, God, what do you need from me? Because a relationship is not just one way, right? 
A relationship is not one way. Anybody got that friend that they just call you and they talk your ear off and you never have a chance to say anything? You know what I'm talking about? They just call and they just go, and then you're about to share your day, and they're like, well, I got to (laughs) go. And you're like, thank you for dumping all of that on me and stressing me out. I never really got to share anything. And then you just try to avoid them. But watch this. Psalms 46.10 says this. It says, be still. When was the last time you took time to just be still? When was the last time that you simply came before God and you just said, God, speak to me? Because the Bible says that he knows your need before you even say a word. So do you really even have to let him know about the need? No, he already knows about the need. So if he already knows about the need, why do we feel like we have to come before God and we have to beg and plead for the miracle? And we have to say, God, come on, do this on my half. Why don't we just come before God and we just be still and we just go, God, speak. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. For two and a half years, God had given me some some pretty specific instructions. A job opportunity had opened for us in California, and uh, I'm, I'm a southern boy. I was raised in Alabama. I was working in Savannah, Georgia at the time. I mean, southern through and through. And so God was like, listen, I've got this opportunity for you in, in California. And I was like, man, I don't know. You know, I've heard that there are a bunch of liberal Satanists in California. Like, how, how am I supposed to move out there? You know, it's 3,000 miles away from, from my family. And for two and a half years, I kept telling God no. For two and a half years, I kept telling God no. Every six months, I would get a call from this church. Hey, we want you to move to California. And I would just say no. I'd put God in a box. I wanted God to move in a specific way. I had a specific church that I wanted God to be at, at a specific campus. I said, this is the position that I wanted. And I had named and labeled everything out. And I'd put God in a box. And I said, anything outside of this box, I'm not open to. God, if you want to do exactly what I'm asking right here, God, if you want to cater to me and not me cater to you. If you want to do exact, God, I'll do it. For two and a half years, I put it off. It was the exact same church that I wanted to be at for the exact same pastor that I wanted to work for. It just wasn't the exact location. Two and a half years, I told God no. One day I ended up sick. I'm telling you sick. I thought it was just a little stomach bug. I ended up in the hospital. I ended up with doctors standing over my bed saying, we're not sure if you'll get out of the hospital. And if you get out of the hospital, your quality of life is going to be terrible. They came in. They began to diagnose me with Crohn's disease. They began to tell me all these horrible things about my life. And one night sitting in bed, everybody had left. I sent everybody home. I said, just just give me some alone time. And I cut on the TV. And I'm not a TBN guy. I, I don't watch like televangelist that much, but I cut on TV and I, and I came across the exact preacher that had been offering me this job. And I began to listen to him preach. And I'll never forget the message that he preached. He preached this message called A Fresh Wind from Elsewhere. And I sat in the bed that night and I would just begin to weep and I began to cry out to God. And I just said this prayer because all up until this point, it had been, God, you do what I want you to do. I was trying to manipulate God. Can I tell you, you cannot manipulate God. It is impossible to manipulate God. And I sat in that hospital bed that night, and I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God, I'll be whoever you want me to be. I'll stop running from you. 
I'll stop trying to put you in a mold. I'll stop trying to put you in a box. And in that night, something changed. Something shifted. I was healed in that night. They had diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. They had gone into my intestines, and they had taken biopsies, and they had proven that I, was, that I had Crohn's disease. A year later, I went back. They took another biopsy of my intestines, completely healed. And I believe it all happened in a moment, in a night, when I sat in a hospital bed with tears running down my face, and I made a decision to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, not what I want for my life, but what you want for your life. Can I tell you there's something that is released over your heart and over your life when you will simply be still before God and quit demanding Quit demanding him to answer. Because I watch too many people turn and run from God. I, I, call it, I call it the Judas syndrome. I call it the Judas syndrome because the reason I believe that Judas betrayed Jesus is because he didn't get the Jesus that he wanted. Does that make sense? He wanted Jesus to come in and be a conquering soldier. He wanted Jesus to come in and be the mighty politician that would come in and change everything. He wanted Jesus to be the guy that would come in and throw over the current rule and set up the children of Israel to rule. That's what he wanted. But when Jesus showed up and, and he wasn't the Jesus that Judas wanted, what did Judas do? He turned his back on him and he betrayed him. And I wonder how many people in the church, we turn our backs on Jesus and we betray him because he's not the Jesus that we wanted him to be. Because we didn't get the answers that we thought that we should have gotten. Because he didn't do what we thought that he should have done. It's not our job to tell God what he should do and how he should do it. It's our job to simply go, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll be whoever you want me to be. That's our job is to simply throw our hands up and surrender and say, yes, Lord. I'm not saying we don't pray. I'm not saying we don't make our will be known, but at the end of the day, we can't turn our backs on God because we didn't get the Jesus that we thought we deserved. Number two, write this down. Trust what he says. Trust what he says. He's God. He knows best. He created you. He has a plan for you. We're only human. Who in the world are we to question the creator of the universe? Come on. Who am I to question God? He created me. He created me with the plan. He created me with, uh, with the gifts and the talents to do the things that he's called me to do. Who am I to question God? He knows best. See, quit begging God to speak and start being obedient to what he's already said. Number three, write this down. I'm going to move through these last couple of points quickly. We are too preoccupied to hear his voice. Number three, I believe sometimes we experience silence because we are too preoccupied with his voice. Let me recap. Quit speaking and listen. Trust what he has to say. And number three, we're too preoccupied to hear his voice. Husbands, I, I think maybe you'll relate to this. Um, husbands, do, do you, any, any football lovers in the house? Any, any football lovers? At least one. Okay, that's, that's great. This person will really get this illustration. It's good. I, I, love, I love Saturday afternoons. I'm, I'm a huge college football fan. Uh, I believe in the SEC through and through. Uh, do we have Longhorn fans in the house? Don't, don't, don't. That's just look until we see what the new coach can do. Let's don't yet, okay? I mean, 
There's a lot of hype about Charlie Strong, too. I'm just saying, okay? Anyway, uh, so I love Saturdays. I love college football. And it, there's something about football that can just, like, suck you in, right? Get in front of the TV. Man, the game is on. House could be on fire all around you. You're still on the couch watching TV, right? Kids are panicking. Wife is screaming, literally flames up everywhere. You're just on the couch with a smile on your face because you are in like a state of euphoria on your couch or in your chair with TV, and it's, it's great, right? You've got heaven, couch watching football, okay? And then Sartans. Anybody like Sartans? Come on. Sartans barbecue crab. It's heaven for me anyway. Uh, but I'll be on the couch. I'll watch, be watching TV, kind of get dragged into some college football or maybe the Dallas Cowboys, uh, God's heavens team. Got any Texan, Houston Texans? Again, again, you probably shouldn't. Just let's, let's don't. Let's don't let's, I don't know that the Lord would approve of that. You're on the couch. You are, you're watching TV and faintly in the distance, this voice comes that says, honey, could you please take out the trash? You don't hear it because you're so locked in on the game, right? All you heard was first and goal, right? That is, that's all that mattered to you. So 30 minutes passes, trash is kind of piled up in the trash can and you hear it just a little louder out of the corner of your ear. Honey, could you please take out the trash? But all you heard was, touchdown, right? Third time, trash has gotten, you know, higher. By this path, it's like a landfill almost in your kitchen. And you hear this voice, honey, could you please take out the trash? I have asked you to take out the trash. This is my third time now. I'm not going to ask again. Could you please take out the trash? And you're like, babe, you have not asked me to take out the trash yet. You have not asked me to take out the trash. She's like, babe, don't even start with me, okay? I have asked you to take the trash out through, but you have not asked me to. And then the kids are like, no, uh, yeah, she, this is her third time asking you to take out. Sometimes I feel like the reason we don't hear God is because we're too preoccupied with other things. Sometimes I feel like the reason we don't hear God is because we have our attention set on other things and we're so focused on these other things that we don't ever even turn to hear what God has to say to us. We have our eyes, and li listen, it may not even be bad things. It may not even be sinful or evil things. It may just be things that our hearts desire and that we think would be perfect for us. For me, example, that church in Georgia that I just I had to be at, I wanted to be at it. This is the one, and God had this other thing, and I wouldn't even look to consider it or hear the voice of God because all I was doing was focusing on this one thing. And, man, I would fast for it. I would pray for it. I would call out to God for it, but the whole time I was was just this. I wouldn't even look up to go, God, where else are you? This was the one thing that I wanted. You can't take me out of the southeast. It's got to be this salary. It's got to be this, this, and this. And the whole time God was standing over here going, I've got the perfect scenario. I've got the perfect situation. I've got the perfect position. I want to bless you beyond your wildest dreams over here. If you'll stop being so focused with that over there, I have the answer that you want over here. And sometimes we just get so preoccupied with things that we never really look up to go, oh, wow, God, you're absolutely right. And can I tell you that when I made the move to California, it was the greatest move of my life. I loved it. 
I loved my season in California. I loved the church that we were at. I loved the people that we got to pastor. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life, and I missed out on rather than being there for six and a half years, I only got to be there for four years. Why? Because I was so preoccupied on something else that I wouldn't look up to give God a yes. Sometimes I believe that we can be preoccupied. And number four is this, and I'm bringing it in for a landing. Number four is this. It's all about the right environment. It's all about the right environment. See, I believe that sometimes the reason we aren't hearing from God is because we aren't putting ourselves in the right environment. And we haven't positioned ourselves to hear the voice of God. Does that make sense? Sometimes I believe that we simply just aren't putting ourselves in the right environments. Maybe you're putting yourself in church on Sunday mornings. Maybe you're putting yourself in Bible studies. But you can be in the room and not really be there. You could show up to church and not really be positioned to receive. You can show up for worship and never really enter into his presence. You can be in the room and not be participating. You can spectate, right? You could come and you could sit and you can watch it, but maybe you just aren't positioning yourself in a place to where you go, God, speak to me, pour into me. God, I need to hear your voice. Watch this, Esther, chapter number five. Esther's now queen. You guys know the story of Esther. If you don't, go back, read it. It's a great book, great book of the Bible. Esther is now queen, and the Bible says that there was something that she had on her heart. There was something that she needed. There was a miracle that her and her people needed. There was about to be basically a, a genocide. They were about to be annihilated. And she said, you know what? God, I need you to move. So the Bible says something interesting. Watch this. I want to read this. Esther chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and she stood in the inner court. Come on, somebody say inner. She stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in his royal house facing the east entrance. So watch this. The king is sitting in his palace, and she simply positions herself in the inner court. Notice she doesn't go barging into the palace saying, hey, look, all of my people are about to be killed. They're all going to die. They've got this plan, and it's about to be a mass genocide. You've got to do something. All she does, she doesn't rush in. She doesn't barge in demanding what she needs. What does she do? She simply positions herself in the inner court. Now, how many of you know that the inner court represents the absolute place of the presence of God? When you go and you look at the Old Testament tabernacle and you look at the Old, the Old Testament where they would place the Ark of the Covenant, that this is the place where, where only the high priest could go on. Only one person could enter in. And when he entered in, they tied a rope around his waist and he had, or around his ankle, and he had bells around the hem of his garment so that if he went in and he died in the presence of God, they could drag him out. It was the Holy of Holies. Can I tell you that sometimes we simply need to position ourselves in the inner court. Sometimes we simply just need to come before God, not begging, not barging, not demanding, but we just need to come into the presence of God and we just need to stand there. Sometimes we just need to come into his presence and we just need to say, speak. I want to tell you this morning that it's all about placing yourself in the right environment. The king sees Queen Esther. He says, come in, come, come here. 
What is it that you need? What is it that you want? Whatever you want, up to half the kingdom is yours. Can I tell you that if you'll just come before God and you'll just stand in his presence, if you'll just come and you'll just position yourself in the right atmosphere, I'm telling you, you'll gain the attention of the king. And when you gain the attention of the king, I'm telling you, he'll come to you and say, what is it that you want? What's your request? Because she put herself in the presence of the king. She put herself in the right atmosphere. As I'm closing, I want to show you this picture. There's, there's a place called the, the Atacama Desert. I think we have a picture of it. This is the absolute driest place on earth. The driest place on earth. It's in South America. They get one millimeter, one millimeter of rain a year. It's the absolute driest place on earth. Just hold that picture right there. It doesn't rain one millimeter a year. There's, in fact, they say that it's near impossible for life to even to survive here. Things don't grow here. Uh, wildlife doesn't live here. Because there's only one millimeter of rain that falls every year. It's, it's nearly impossible for life to happen here in this desert. It's the driest place. And they say the reason for this phenomenon is because it's this desert and it's positioned between a mountain here and it's positioned between a mountain here. And so it's just not in the right area and atmosphere for rain to be able to get to it. Can I tell you a lot of times I think in life that the reason we haven't heard the voice of God is because we're not in the right atmosphere, but the reason we aren't in the atmosphere is because we've allowed maybe anger, bitterness, sin to stack up and, and block the, the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. And on this side, we've got past hurts and, and hang-ups and maybe pride and, and, and all these things that are built up and it just blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit from coming in and reigning. And maybe even this morning you feel like you've been living in a desert place. Maybe you feel like you've been in a desert where you haven't heard the voice of God, where you haven't heard God speak and you, and you haven't received. There's this phenomenon that happens about once every eight to seven years in this desert. And about every seven to eight years, this thing happens called El Nino. Have you guys heard of that, El Nino? If you don't know what that means, it translates into the Nino. Okay, the Nino. It was a joke. Anyway, it was a bad one, but nonetheless, it was a joke. Uh, so there's this thing called El Nino that happens. And what it does is it sends in just monsoons of rain once every eight years into this desert, into the Atacama Desert. And it'll downpour up into the point to where it's dangerous because there's mudslides. I mean, it just, it, it's flooding torrential downpours. But what happens afterwards is the absolute most amazing thing in the world. Flowers begin to bloom everywhere. Where there once was no life, look at this. This is the same desert. This is the same place. And what they say is that down, down beneath the surface is that there are seeds that are lying dormant beneath the surface. And they'll lie dormant for seven and eight years until the rain comes. Look at all these flowers. 
This is the exact desert that was once barren, that was once dry, that was once laid to waste. Can I just, can I talk to some moms and dads in this place that maybe it's been so long since you've heard the word of God. Maybe it's been so long since you've had God speak to you. Maybe it's been so long. Maybe it's been a desert land for you. Maybe it's been seven. Maybe it's been eight years and you haven't heard the word of God. You haven't really received what you needed to receive. Can I tell you that I believe that there's things that God has spoken to you that are laying just down beneath the surface that if you'll position yourself in the right atmosphere that the rain and the breath of the Holy Spirit will come through and as the rains come down on your heart and on your life you'll begin to see things come back to life again young people maybe it was even something that God spoke to you last year at Anthem Conference maybe God called you into ministry last year at Anthem Maybe God put this burden on your heart to start something on your campus. But this last year, it's just kind of seemed like a desert land. Why? Because you didn't really position yourself in the right atmosphere. And because you didn't position yourself in the right atmosphere, you, you never really allowed that dream to begin to grow beneath the surface. But can I tell you, I believe there's things. If we can have the band come back, I believe that there are things that are lying beneath the surface, that if you'll simply put yourself in the right atmosphere, I believe that God will come and water those and make them come to pass. Watch what Revelations 14, 2 says. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven. I love this. Like the voice of many waters. When God speaks, telling you it's like rain in the desert. When God speaks and you receive his word, I'm telling you, it's the most refreshing thing. It'll take you from frustration and aggravation with the, the position in life that you're in. It'll take you from there. It'll take you to hands lifted high, to flourishing, to alive, to saying, thank God that I'm following the call and the vision and the plan that you had for my life. I don't want to rebel and live in the desert place, but God, I want to thrive and I want to survive and, and, and I want to live in the place that you've called me to live in because I'm lifts, listening to your voice and to your call. I want you to stand on your feet. We need the voice of God, amen? We have to keep ourselves in the right atmosphere where he can speak his voice, his voice. I'm going to close with this tonight. The hand of the Lord that came upon me and it brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and it set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all and behold, there was a very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Oh God, you know. And again, he said to me, Now watch this. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh dry bones. Watch this. Here. Come on. Somebody say here. Hear the word of the Lord. Can I tell you this morning what we need to do is we need to hear the word of the Lord. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. I just wonder, maybe, maybe this message has hit home for you. Maybe this message has 
has touched you and you've found yourself in one of these points. Maybe you're too preoccupied. Maybe you're not listening. But this morning, you say, you know what? I want to hear his voice plainly. I want to hear his voice clearly. Come on, if that's you, why don't you just lift your hand right now? Hey, that's me. This message has hit me. That's it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask if you would do something. I talked all about positioning yourself. I believe that there's something about this altar that it positions us to hear from God, that it positions us to hear the word of the Lord, that it positions to hear his voice. So if you just lifted your hand, come on, would you do me a favor? Would you step out of your seat and would you meet me right here at this altar? Come on, let's just say, I receive. Come on, just sing it out. I receive, I receive, I receive. Come on, I receive. I receive. you lift your hands and just receive. I receive Come on, we receive. Pour it out, God. I receive Come like a flood. Like a flood. Come on, say. Like a flood. We 